Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Welcome, welcome to another Friday. I don't know why I feel the need to say Friday different. There's just something different about Fridays, isn't there? It just hits different. Yeah, I think so. Hey, welcome. If you've been listening for a while, I'm glad you're back. If you are new to us, welcome. So here's how the Friday wrap-ups flow. They're a little different than Monday through Thursday, where I do my direct everyday innovator interviews. Love those days. Go back and listen to some if you missed them. Today's a little bit different. Today, I'm going to do two things. Number one, I am going to share a story, an experience, a nugget from my world, something that I think can help you push forward um, and help you innovate and reach your full potential. And then I'm going to go through the podcast and I'm going to share kind of the one aha nugget that really stuck with me from it and kind of what I did. My life is an experimentation and I hope that my experimentation, my wins and my failures, my mistakes, my trials, my errors, I hope they help you take action and live a richer, fuller life as well. So that's why I do it. And here's the thing. I put a link back to any of the shows, all the shows in the show notes and in the description. So you are welcome to then click back and go, huh, what that guy said really is intriguing to me. I'm going to go back and listen to that podcast. I didn't catch that the first time or, oh, I want to re-listen to that because I missed that point Tamara's talking about. So I link back to all the shows for you. All right. I am so ready to dig in. This weekend, I did a triathlon and I did a, I guess a half distance. I don't know what, what a full or a real, I don't know if a triathlon is considered like a five mile run, a 13 mile. I don't know, but let me tell you what I did. I'm getting jumbled in my words. I did a 1.2 mile swim, a 56 mile bike and a 13.1 mile run. Now I'm sharing with this with you, not for you to go, Oh, tomorrow. Wow. Really? Like, good job. Well done. I actually have some really important lessons that came out of it that I, that I want to share with you. One from the swim, one from the bike, one from the run. I posted these across social media as well, but Hey, I know that we're all kind of everywhere. And some of us listen to the podcast. Some of us follow on LinkedIn. So I want to make sure that I share these with you because I think they're actually really important and they helped me push through the frustration and the length of the event, but also have made me stronger on the back end in my training moving forward. And I think the training for this is a lot like the training for life, right? It's a long-term event and we got to learn some hard lessons along the way. So here's the thing. The swim was 1.2 miles. It was two laps around these buoys. It was like a disjointed circle kind of. For the first lap, which is about 0.6 miles, I panicked. I was slow. I was freaked out. And I was sure I was going to quit and drown. Not sure which order that was going to happen in. It was not good. I felt like the wetsuit was constricting my breathing. It was really choppy in the lake. So the waves were hitting me in the face. I was swallowing a ton of water. Um, I do freestyle, but I couldn't even like get a good stroke down. I couldn't catch my breath. It was horrible. And then I rounded the corner of the first lap and I had a moment where I thought, okay, I can either quit because if this is how it's going to be, like, I, I can't, I can't do this for another round or I could keep going. 
Well, quitting isn't really in my vocabulary, although some people did. And I think if that's the right thing for them, then they should have done that. But something clicked and I started going for it. And no joke, I crushed the second lap. I've been, I've been training in a pool this whole time. I've been swimming and I'm not a swimmer. In fact, I'm not a swimmer, biker or runner, frankly. But something clicked and I just, I nailed the second lap, nailed it. So here's my lesson. If I had quit after that first lap, if I quit too early, I would have actually never discovered that I could do it. So my lesson here is don't give up before you have the chance to succeed. Don't give up during the struggle. Give yourself the opportunity to get out of the struggle. So then I moved on after that interesting experience. I moved on to the bike. So the course is long and the race actually was very sparsely populated for the for that day. It was a Saturday. There were people doing the half, which is what I'm doing, and then doing a full triathlon too. So double this. So it was a lot of alone time on the course, like by myself. So I kind of had to gauge my own abilities, right? Was I doing well? Was I not doing well? I had to gauge by how I felt. I didn't have any metrics on my bike. I'd rented a bike. I'm new to all this. I don't have all the gear, the fancy equipment, but I felt strong and solid up and down the hills. This was in Napa Valley in California. So it was a lot of canyons. It was relentless actually, but I I was good. I I was liking it. And if you had asked me after how I did, I would have told you that I was a monster going up and a speed demon going down. So I felt really good. And then two days later, or a day later, whatever it was, when I got on the flight back home, I looked at my health app to see what I'd actually done. I'd had my iWatch on while I was biking to discover that I was a lot slower than I thought. I mean, a lot slower. I was so disappointed to realize that here I was thinking I crushed the bike to only find out I was a lot slower than in my head I thought I was. So here's my lesson. Know your numbers, know your data. Yeah, feeling is a part of it. But to make real progress, you need to know your numbers, where you've been, where you are, where you are going. I will never make that mistake again. Now, I still am proud of the fact that I felt good during it and I was moving forward. But I wish I'd known, maybe I would have pushed myself a little harder if I knew I was going that slow. I didn't have people to pick off in front of me, you know what I mean? Like to catch up to. But had I had my numbers, I probably would have looked down and went, all right, I need to go a little faster. Let's push it a little harder. But I didn't have my number, so I didn't know. Know where you've been, know where you are, and know where you're going. Okay, now for the most painful part for me, which was the 13.1 mile run. So the course was two loops on these relentless, again, rolling hills. And every uphill felt demoralizing and every downhill felt painful. Now, because it was two, it was these two loops of like just over three miles. And because of that, I saw the same people over and over again. I passed them going out. I passed them going in. One might say we became friends in our mutual suffering. Here's my lesson. Cheering other people on feels really good. In my darkest moments on the run, when someone would pass me in the other direction, I made sure to just lift up my head out of my pain cave and cheer them on. If someone passed me in the same direction, I cheered them on. Sometimes you need to focus on others to get through your, the pain yourself. When you're struggling, when you're challenged, you know, we're very sucked inward. But what I found is that actually going outward, focusing on cheering other people on actually helped me get stronger and push through as well. So those are my lessons from it. Next up, I got a full Ironman. We'll see. I'm sure there'll be some incredible life lessons out of that too. But I just, when you think about these lessons, I want you to think about what it means for you, right? Don't give up too early. Give yourself the chance to succeed. 
know where you've been, where you are and where you're going and cheer other people on. To me, those seemed like pretty good life lessons. All right, let's get on to the incredible everyday innovators that I interviewed this week and the lessons that I had from them. On Monday, I had Asheo Freesky, who's an experiential risk taker, who's in the, I want to call it time management space. And then on Tuesday, I had Casey Beck, who is in the automotive aftercare space. She's a leader in that market. And then on Wednesday, I had Donnie Bovine, who is in the uh, championship performance and networking. He has a networking business, interestingly enough. And then on Thursday, I interviewed Ari Kleinberg, who is a 13-year-old eighth grader, also my son, full disclosure, who had some amazing things to say. All very different everyday innovator styles that I'm going to get into. So what do you say we start with Monday, Asheo Freesky, who was an experiential risk taker. So experiential is all about in action. So we innovate by doing, by feeling, touching, experiencing, trying, seeing, and in that we create innovation. And then the risk taker side is all about, is about getting uncomfortable, leaping when other people hold back. We actually like that pressure. That pressure helps us innovate. So that combination for him as an experiential risk taker, the magic is he brings tangible, bold innovation to the table. And as I said, Asheo's in the time management space. He's all about how to get more time back. I think his website is double your time, right? I'd love to double my time. So here's the thing about getting more time back. When I think about the interview, it's, it's like, I'd put it this way, innovation equals productivity, meaning if you can think differently about how you do things, systematize them, think differently about them, you can do more well in less time and get more time back. So here's the thing that really stood out for me. He was talking about how in every process that he has, he actually maps it out. Now, in my head, I'm thinking, right, of course, right? You map out what the process is, and then you have people go do it. But he had a different take on it. He said, I don't map it out first. He said, I do it. And I map out in real time what I do. And then once I've got it down on paper as it actually is, then I find the places to innovate and improve and become efficient. I think most of us make the mistake of actually trying to perfect it on paper of how should this process look and feel and be, and then we go and do it. He's saying, no, no, Tamara, map out the real world, map out the reality, then figure it out. Funny, this kind of goes back to what I was saying with the bike, doesn't it? About know where you are and know where you're going. I kind of like that actually connection. So here's what I did. I did exactly what he said. I went back and I mapped out a process real time as I was doing it. Not how I remember it, not how I think it should be, but real time as I was doing the process, I mapped it out. And I did this for the podcast. So I took one everyday innovator from start to finish, meaning they fill out a nomination form. We accept them. We schedule them. We give them the questions and the IQE. We make sure everything's set. We schedule a meeting. We do the interview, right? Everything. So I mapped it all out. And then I went back in. And the next time I did it, I looked for efficiencies, real time. And I found many. I found some places we were inefficient. I found places that we could automate, which I dug into our systems a little bit. I found places that were better for collaboration. I found places that would make some things easier than others and better quality output for the people that we were interviewing. Guess what? I got an hour back a week of my time. Yeah, 
pretty, I like that. Imagine for a minute, if you went through all the processes you had in your work and in your life, mapped them out the way Asheo was saying to do it, and then gained for each of them an hour back. I bet you, you could get a day back in your week, if not more. So I'm going to keep doing this, but this was a really powerful, powerful lesson to me about the importance of mapping it out in real time. So what can you map out in real time so that you can get more time back? Go back and listen to his podcast. He talks obviously in much more depth about the process and, and among many others. I think when we get more time back too, we have more space to be innovative. And that's really important. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on with Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition. And I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market. But the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. Okay, next up is Casey Beck who is a leader in the automotive aftercare market. She works for one of the largest global companies. And she is an imaginative collaborative. So imaginative is all about playing in the gaps. It's all about less is more. Imaginatives do really well innovating where nothing yet exists. Kind of the place that maybe is scary for most of us. We want a little bit more data to hold on to. And then her collaborative side is all about pulling disparate people and ideas and experiences together to create whole innovation. So the magic of the two, imaginative collaborative, is novel whole innovation. Now, Casey shared a really cool story in her work about innovation. Go back to the podcast and listen to it. It has to do with supply chain issues, worker shortages, like all the things that a lot of us are dealing with. And one of the questions I was asking her is when you when you decided to move forward. And even when you were presenting these kind of this innovative solution to this challenge, 
Was there buy-in instantly? Because of course it makes sense. Was there pushback? How did that work? And what she said is that there's a there was a lot of pain already. Like they were struggling, right? They've they've got supply chain issues and shortages. She said that made people more open to her ideas, to the idea of the team, because they were already feeling the pain. They were feeling the pinch. Now, if you've seen any of my work, you know I talk a lot about um, people need to feel the pain to see the possibilities. And that's exactly what Casey, I think, really highlighted in her story. We've got to let people see the pain, maybe even feel it, to see the possibilities. So my question for you is, do you sometimes lack in buy-in because you jump to solution too quickly? You don't allow people a little room to feel the pain or show them the pain so they really get it in a visceral way. I think oftentimes when we're presenting innovative ideas, we just jump right to solution and we get it, right? The idea is brilliant. Of course they'll buy it, but they don't. And I think Casey's story really highlights this. People need to feel the pain to see the possibilities. And so sometimes a little bit of a delay isn't a bad thing. Sometimes people getting a little bit of the pinch isn't a bad thing. And if you're presenting it and you need to help them feel the pain, think about how you're presenting in a way that really gets them on board with that. So what are you going to do to help people feel the pain so they can see the possibilities? All right. On Wednesday, we have Donnie. And now Donnie is an instinctual risk taker. So the instinctual side is all about a more circuitous path of thinking. It's, it's like, well, most of us are A, B, C, D, nothing wrong with that. He's more A, B, X over to Y, back to B. Because of that, instinctuals tend to connect dots in new and meaningful ways. They see things that are random and see the trends and insights and patterns in that. And they elevate information into insights. That's how they innovate. And then that risk taker side is all about taking that action and leaping and, and doing their best innovation in uncomfortable moments. So his combination, the magic and the instinctual risk taker is connective, bold innovation. Now, Donnie talked a lot, a lot about his networking business and how he was kind of going into this business that uh, he was really frustrated with. In fact, he was in there to fix it. There's a whole story behind that I would go listen to. But here's the thing that really stood out for me. He talked about towards the end about working on balancing, doing what's working, the things that you have to do right now and breaking things, innovating what's next. So that balancing out of like the today and the tomorrow. And he was talking about how like what really excites him is what's next, right? What's coming. So once he figures something out, he wants to move on. Well, I'm kind of the same way. And our conversation really got me thinking about how I tend to get so excited about what's next. The creation of ideas is like where I just thrive. But Sometimes that comes at a detriment to what's happening right now. And there have been moments where even though, by the way, what's happening right now came from a place of innovation, right? It started as what's next. There have been times when I have halted the momentum and possibly the success it could have reached because I moved too quickly to what's next. I didn't nurture what was right in front of me. So after that interview, I committed to not moving on too soon. Now, it's not to say I'm not working on new ideas. I always am, but not ignoring what's right in front of me and what I need to do and what's working at the same time. So here's the cool part about what happened. 
And it didn't take a, this wasn't a big effort. This wasn't a huge shift. This was just making sure that I wasn't putting all my energy into what's next, but also innovating in what's happening today. So here's what happened. Not moving on, doing a better job of that balancing act actually is a better way to say it. Allowed me to drive momentum in areas that it actually stalled out. I was actually able to reap the benefits, the rewards of the places that had started from a place of innovation that were innovative, but the things that were working, the things I needed to do right now. And I was so excited to see the results. It was so eye-opening to me. And here's the cool part. So I committed right to, to balancing better. And in balancing, I found incredible places to innovate in what I was doing right now. So it fed my soul, but also, and it's funny enough, this goes back to the swim, right? About don't quit too early. Just give yourself the chance to succeed. I think I sometimes was cutting off that chance. And thanks to this conversation with Donnie, I went back and was like, okay, I can do this. And oh my gosh, it works. So my question for you is, where do you move on to quickly? Where maybe with more nurturing and innovation in what's happening right now, you'd actually find even greater success. Okay, last but not least is Thursday, Mr. Ari Kleinberg. Now here's the thing, Ari is a 13-year-old eighth grader and also my son in full disclosure. Now, if you've been following me a while, you know my son Ari is quite the monologuer. And I will often record our conversations because, man, I'm sorry, but some of the things that come out of his mouth are so insightful, they, they blow my mind. And he did an Olympic triathlon, attempted actually on Sunday. He got clipped by a car and had a little bit of a crash. He's absolutely okay, but he didn't get to complete the run. But I was asking him as we had this long drive the other day about just what it's like being thrown into these events with all these adults. And here's this like little 13 year old kid over there and he has no experience. You know, we don't, he actually, he doesn't even own a road bike. He owns a mountain bike, whatever we rent, he kind of gets used to the day of and then just goes for it. So I was asking him about what it's like being thrown into these new experiences about being the only like kid in you know, the events that I take him to. And he said some really interesting things that I would go back and listen to. But one of the things that really spoke to me at the very end was he talked about struggle and how he expects it. Of course he expects it. Um, and how he just, he looks around and he's like, all right, well, there's going to be some pain. There's going to be some struggle. I don't know what it is yet, but let's do it. But he said something I thought that was really powerful. He said, embrace the struggle. Then he said, in fact, tame the struggle. Wow. I think oftentimes the reason we get so disheartened or frustrated or give up is because the struggle that we face almost takes us by surprise. And I loved Ari's view of like, not just embracing struggle or knowing it's going to happen, but actually taming it like you're a lion tamer. I loved that. It gave me a whole new perspective on work, on life, on the things we're trying to accomplish with the podcast, with the IQE, with life in general, like all of it. So I want you to think about your mindset. And I want you to think about how you approach struggle. And I think it's very easily intellectually for us to say, oh, yeah, no, I know struggle's coming tomorrow. It's inevitable. But I think there's a difference between getting blindsided by it, first of all. Second, knowing it's coming. And third, having that mindset of, I'm going to go tame that shit. I love that. Whew. Thanks for that, Ari Lay. All right. Great week of everyday innovators. As you can see, all very different. I'm going to work backwards. Ari, who's a 13-year-old middle schooler who is an imaginative, inquisitive, then you've got Donnie Bovine, who is in the networking space, who is an instinctual risk taker. 
Casey Beck, who's a leader in the automotive aftercare market, imaginative collaborative, and Asheo Freesky, who is in the time management space, experiential risk taker. All so different. I hope you go back and listen to all of them. I hope you go give us a review. In fact, I just want you to know that giving us a review on iTunes, first of all, it matters a lot to me. So thank you for those of you who have done it because more reviews equals more exposure on iTunes, just to be frank, which equals more listens. And that means more impact. But also I think these reviews are a nod to the everyday innovators that we have on the show. It's like telling them like, these are people that don't need to be on the show. They don't have stuff to promote necessarily. They, but they're willing to share their brilliance and their experience and put themselves out there. And I will tell you, some of them are very nervous coming on the show, but I'm so happy that they step out and they do it and they raise their hand and say yes. And they do it so that we can all better ourselves. So go leave them a review because I think what you're doing is giving them the round of applause that they absolutely deserve. All right. With that, Tamara out. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tamara will be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.